It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network on this Sunday, October the 31st on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Everybody remember going for the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, WiseGuys. And be sure to follow WiseGuys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. I'm feeling good on this Sunday morning. NFL Week 8 is upon us. I'm feeling really, really good today, ladies and gentlemen. I really, really am. And today, I got an action, jam-packed show. I'm going to talk about Mike Tomlin's speech to the media and, you know, I, I love Mike Tomlin. I got to break down what Mike Tomlin said to the media this past week. Also, I want to talk about my NFL Week 8 wise picks. So, y'all know that Week 8 is upon us. So, we're pretty much halfway home. You know, we're we getting close to that halfway point of the season. So, you know, it's going to be an exciting second half of the season. So many storylines, so many NFL MVP candidates that's still in the running for NFL MVP. So many teams that's trying to prove themselves and, and show why they are legit contenders, like the Bengals, like the Raiders in the AFC. In the NFC, you got teams like the Dallas Cowboys who want to prove that not only are they true contenders in the NFC East, but they're true contenders overall in the NFL. You get a 10 Bay Buccaneers trying to defend their Super Bowl championship that they just won last year. L.A., they traded for Matt Stafford in the offseason. They want to see if that trade for Matthew Stafford will pay off for them and then get back to the Super Bowl again. But y'all know we have to start off in the NFL, and we have to start off with Thursday night football as the Green Bay Packers beat the Arizona Cardinals 24 to 21, Rasul Douglas, he had a game-winning interception in the end zone to seal the deal for the Green Bay Packers and push the Packers to 7-1 and one and top of the NFC standings. He intercepted Kyler Murray uh, with a little under 20 seconds to go in that game. Packers have won seven straight games. That's the longest streak currently right now in the NFL. So... I want to go by the numbers before I break this game down. First off, the Packers, they are 7-0 without Devontae Adams in the last three seasons. Also, the last time the Packers beat an opponent that was 7-0 or better was in 1934. And the Packers, they now have 10 straight wins by Aaron Rodgers in primetime. That's tied for the longest streak by a quarterback in the last 10 seasons. Also, with the win, Aaron Rodgers is now 9-0 with a 28-1 touchdown to interception ratio in primetime games since the beginning of last year. He's now also 
eight and one in the last eight games that Devontae Adams has missed. Aaron Rodgers is special. He's a special, special player. And he is the reason why we are right now seven and one on the season. But I got so many things that I want to talk about and so many places to start when it comes to giving credit for this win, because this was the best win of the season for my Packers. Make no mistake about it. Go Pack Go. This was the most impressive win of the season because we had so many doubters after the Packers laid an egg in that week one matchup against the New Orleans Saints, 38 to three. And by the way, I shared a meme of my story. Uh, you can go check it out. And it, it talked about how everyone doubted the Packers, you know, who weren't Packer fans. They doubted us after week one. Got crushed by the New Orleans Saints, 38 to three. And then, you know, we've won seven straight games and now sitting at the top of the NFC standings overall. So, you know, very impressive for the Packers. But the first person that I want to give credit to and show some love to is head coach Matt LaFleur. In the Super Bowl era, there hasn't been a head coach that has had a better record than Matt LaFleur through 39 games in NFL history. Matt LaFleur has a 32-7 record since he's been the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And again, that is the best record by a head coach in the Super Bowl era. Matt LaFleur called a sensational game Thursday night at State Farm Arena against the Arizona Cardinals. It was an outstanding game plan. He shortened the game up and he ran the football with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And I love the fact that he pretty much had Aaron Rodgers manage the game. It, this wasn't a game where you saw Aaron Rodgers dominate the game and throw for over 300 yards passing, you know, four touchdowns like he's accustomed to doing. This was the game where we saw Aaron Rodgers pretty much game manage throughout the entire football game. And I love the fact that Matt LaFleur, you know, didn't, you know, throw the ball all over the yard. You know, they dominated the game in the trenches. The Packer, Packers dominated the game at the line of scrimmage. And this is the second time this has happened this year. Because you remember in week three, going up against the San Francisco 49ers, the Packers also beat the 49ers at the line of scrimmage. And these are games in the past where the Packers have lost. And I'll admit, the Packers are one of those teams that play finesse football. That was what has been our Achilles heel in the past. When it's a finesse type of game, we usually win those type of games. When it is a street fight and the Packers have to get in the, the ring and battle it out with a team, they have come up short, but so far in the third season since Matt LaFleur has been the head coach in two games this year against teams that, you know, are physical football teams. And it ain't a coincidence they are in the NFC West against the San Francisco 49ers in week three and then in week eight against the Arizona Cardinals. The Green Bay Packers have dominated the line of scrimmage and physically imposed their will in these two games so far this season. And it's not the fact that the Packers won, it's how the Packers have beaten the Arizona Cardinals and the 49ers in week three. But in this particular matchup, the Packers, they ran the football effectively with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They 
had 151 rushing yards on the night. And A.J. Dillon had 78 rushing yards, you know, on 16 carries. Aaron Jones had 15 carries for 59 rushing yards, one touchdown. I thought Aaron Jones had two touchdowns on the night, but you saw they overturned a touchdown that would have given the Packers a 30-21 to 21 lead, and we would have kicked the extra point and went up 10 points and pretty much sealed the deal, you know, but they overturned the call on the field for some reason because I thought that was a touchdown. This happened, you know, before the Cardinals' last possession. If the Packers score right there, you know, they go up 31 to 21, and they pretty much sealed the deal and secured their seventh consecutive win. But for some reason, the officials wanted to overturn the call. It didn't make any sense to me because the call on the field was a touchdown. So I thought they, that, was, that, was, that was a bad, you know, overturn that on the field. You know, it was supposed to be uh, – it wasn't no conclusive evidence to overturn the call on the field, but they did. And so, again, it was just an impressive performance for the Packers all around. And I talked about it coming into the game, how the key was going to be for Aaron Jones to be involved in the offense. Coming into the game, the Arizona Cardinals, as great as they are, they have struggled at stopping the run. They're great at points given up per game. They're great as far as being able to rush the passer. But you can run the football against the Arizona Cardinals defense and that's exactly what happened in this game. Aaron Rodgers only had 184 passing yards, two touchdowns, 22 of 37 passing from the field overall. So the fact that the Green Bay Packers were able to run the football was something that impressed me. Also in this game, let's not forget the Packers. They were, were without their top three wide receivers, their top two cornerbacks, all pro left tackle, probably the best tackle in the NFL, and David Bacciari. All pro pass rusher in Darius Smith. Starting center, Josh Myers was out. And defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, also was out with COVID. And they just went into State Farm Arena and beat the NFL's last undefeated team. I can't say enough about the job that Matt LaFleur did having the Green Bay Packers prepared for this primetime matchup going up against an undefeated Arizona Cardinals team. I can't give enough credit to Matt LaFleur and the coaching staff, you know, for this victory. Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator for the Packers, who also, you know, has an input on play calling. They did an outstanding job in this game. And also, I want to show some love to the Green Bay Packers defense because coming into this game, this is the Arizona Cardinals. Well, they've been they seven and zero, but they've averaged thirty two points per game. They've rushed for over one hundred and thirty six rushing yards per per game. They've had two hundred and eighty six passing yards per game. So in this matchup, they only scored twenty one points. They on average they have one hundred and thirty six rushing yards per game. They only had seventy four rushing yards in the week eight game against the Packers. They also normally throw for over 286 passing yards. In this game, they threw for 274. So I got to show some love to the defense. Defensively, without their coordinator, the Packers played some great defense. And it's amazing that Rasul Douglas got a chance to get an interception that sealed the game for the Packers. 
after earlier in the season, he was a part of the Arizona Cardinals practice squad. What a feel-good story for Rasul Douglas. I mean, it was a boneheaded play by A.J. Green. And make no mistake about it, A.J. Green is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He was a dynamic receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals and made play after play after play multiple years here for the Cincinnati Bengals. But I don't know what A.J. Green was thinking on that on that last play. I don't know what he was thinking. He had to be thinking that it was a running play. But the Cardinals had no timeouts. So it would have made no sense for the Cardinals to call a running play in that situation. Because if you run the football and you're stopped short of the goal line, there's a very good possibility that time will expire. So I don't know what A.J. Green was thinking. And you saw him when the ball was hiked. He went straight ahead. He didn't look back for a, a potential back shoulder fade that could possibly have won the game for the Arizona Cardinals. He went straight ahead to block Rasul Douglas. So he wasn't on the same page with Kyler Murray, and there was a miscommunication there. And, you know, that was something that cost the Arizona Cardinals in this game because, you know, if you're the Arizona Cardinals, you take your chances with a one-on-one matchup against Rasul Douglas, and you have A.J. Green, a veteran receiver who's made plays to win football games in the past. You take your chances with that play call if you're Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. But A.J. Green, you know, he had a miscommunication, and it was it was a boneheaded play by A.J. Green. Again, I don't know what he was thinking, but it helped my Green Bay Packers. And for Rasul Douglas to have the game-winning interception, you, you know, you, you it was a feel-good story for him. But defensively, you know, the Packers, they were able to also apply – a little bit of pressure on Kyler Murray and contain him. And I talked about that coming into the game. You can't completely stop Kyler Murray because he's big time, but you can contain Kyler Murray. He only had six carries for 21 rushing yards. And that's what makes Kyler Murray a dynamic quarterback because he's a playmaker and he's similar to Lamar Jackson where he can make plays in the open field and make guys miss. But in this game, holding him to only 21 rushing yards on the night, I'll take that, you know, as a Packers fan, given the fact that we got some players missing defensively. Jair Alexander, our pro cornerback, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, if not the best. He was also out in this game. No Zadarius Smith, no Kevin King. So the fact that the Packers were able to hold Kyler Murray to under 30 yards rushing was impressive. And, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, he was hobbled in this game. He was dealing with a hamstring injury. And by the way, he actually said at the end of the game that they were trying to hold him out of the game because of the injury that he was dealing with. But, you know, D-Hop kept inserting himself into the game without the consent from the medical staff, you know, of the Arizona Cardinals, which shows how much respect that he has for Cliff Kingsbury. But I'll get into that another day on the show. But I thought the Packers did an outstanding job at – you know, containing this high-powered Arizona Cardinals offense. They still end up having 334 total yards on the night, 260 yards passing. You know, they, they went 4 of 10 on third down. They were 2 for 2 on fourth down. Had some, you know, two critical fourth down conversions in this game. So Arizona, you know, still got a high-powered offense, but the Packers contained them to the best of their abilities. But also, I love the fact that the Packers – dominated 
time of possession. The Packers had the ball for over 37 minutes in this game. Arizona only had the ball for over 22 minutes. So if you want to be able to pull off an upset, you have to dominate time of possession, and you also need to create some turnovers. And that's exactly what the Packers were able to do in this game. They created two turnovers, two interceptions that were uncharacteristic by Kyler Murray were thrown in this game. So those are recipes in order to pull off an upset, you know, on a short week, you know, shorthanded, the Packers checked every box. So those were things that I was impressive with in this game. Also, I want to say this, and I've been talking about this all season long, and I've been telling everybody that you may feel like the Packers aren't the best team in the NFC. You probably will say, okay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game last year. They are the defending Super Bowl champions. They're more talented. You may even say that the Arizona Cardinals are a younger and more talented team than the Green Bay Packers. You may even say that the LA Rams are a team that got a little bit more swag than the Green Bay Packers. But the last three years, the Green Bay Packers have been the most consistent team in the NFC. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't now we haven't gotten to the Super Bowl and been able to win a Super Bowl, but they've been the most consistent team in the NFC the last three years since Matt LaFleur has taken over as head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And so I felt like watching this game, even after the Packers were stopped at the goal line on fourth and goal at the half-inch yard line, I still had a feeling that the defense was going to make a play for the Packers to be able to win this game. And that's exactly what happened. It's something to be said for teams who know how to win these type of football games and the Packers know how to win these type of close games at the end. The Arizona Cardinals, they don't know how to win these type of games just yet. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they know how to win these type of games. The Dallas Cowboys, they know how to win these type of games because they have chemistry on their team as well. You know, they've been here before. But the Arizona Cardinals, they haven't been here before. You know, they haven't been in meaningful football games so far in the short career of Kyler Murray. I mean, they've had a good record in previous years, but they haven't had, you know, a big regular season matchup with an elite quarterback coming to town like Aaron Rodgers, uh, a 6-1 and one Packers team coming to town to play them in their home. And so I thought down the stretch in this game, the Packers showed that they know how to win these type of games. In the Arizona Cardinals, they are still learning how to win these type of games. So those are my takeaways for the game. Man, it was an impressive win for my Green Bay Packers. Go, Pack, go. 7-1 on the season. You can say whatever you want, haters. But with all the injuries that the Packers are currently dealing with, and all of the all pros that are out. I mean, you talk about all pro left tackle David Bakhtiari, all pro receiver Devontae Adams, all pro outside linebackers Darius Smith, all pro cornerback Jair Alexander, all were out in this game. And after the toxic offseason Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers had, if you were to tell me through eight games of the season, the Packers would be seven and one and sitting at the top of the NFC standings. I would have said I'm great with 
that result after the offseason that we just had. So I'll take it. Go, Pat, go. Got a big game coming up next week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. We know the Chiefs are desperate right now, but I'm excited for that matchup next week against the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. Now, one more thing I want to talk about. Do you believe that Aaron Rodgers will finish his career in Green Bay? I'm going to talk about that real quick because I believe there's a great possibility that Aaron Rodgers will not only return as a starting quarterback next season, I think Aaron Rodgers will ultimately finish his career in Green Bay because winning cures everything. And you talked about in the early part of the season, will Aaron Rodgers, you know, be able to, you know, develop chemistry with his teammates? Is he going to be committed? That's what we heard all throughout the offseason, at the beginning of the season, that the Packers got crushed to the Saints. Will he be able to have that chemistry with his teammates? You know, like, is Aaron Rodgers still committed to winning football for the Green Bay Packers? And Aaron Rodgers is having a great season so far. I mean, Aaron Rodgers now is probably fourth in the NFL MVP race. Like, he got 17 touchdowns, three interceptions. He doesn't have the statistical numbers that Tom Brady has. But 7-1 the season, top of the NFC standings overall. Aaron Rodgers is creeping his way into that MVP conversation. But I believe that it's a chance he'll finish his career with the Packers because he talked about, you know, coming into the season, how relationships can be fixed. And he's had conversations throughout the course of the season with general manager Brian Gutekus. And so it seems like the Packers are trying to improve their relationship with Aaron Rodgers. So by season's end, if the Packers are in the Super Bowl, if they win the Super Bowl, I believe it's a great chance that Aaron Rodgers will return back as the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers next season and possibly retire a Green Bay Packer. I, I really, really feel like that. I've remained optimistic throughout the entire you know, season so far. And I just knew if we could have a great season and Aaron Rodgers is in a great mood, it's a possibility Aaron Rodgers will return and finish his career in Green Bay. He talked about how happy he is right now, you know, and, and, and going through, you know, these games with his teammates. He said he's happy to be in Green Bay right now and enjoying every moment with his teammates. And he's talking about these things with his teammates, like, hey, let's enjoy all of these moments together and, and cherish these moments. Because when you win in football games, it cures everything. And that's exactly what's going on right now with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. So I think it's a good chance he can finish his career in Green Bay. Unlike Peyton Manning, unlike Tom Brady, I think Aaron Rodgers has a shot to finish his career with one franchise. Let's transition and let's talk about Mike Tomlin. As Mike Tomlin, he slammed the door shut on a potential college job with the USC Trojans that come up. Take a listen to Mike Tomlin. Hey, guys, I don't have time for that speculation. I mean, that's a joke to me. Um, I got one of the best jobs in, in all of professional sport. Why would I have any interest in coaching college football? Um, that'll be the last time today. But moving forward, never say never, but never. Okay? 
anybody else got any questions about any college jobs? There's not a booster with a big enough blank check. Thank you. Anybody asking Sean Payton about that? You know, anybody asking Andy Reid about stuff like that? That was Mike Thomas' comments on the speculation about the possibility of him wanting to go and coach the USC Trojans. And so I got to be honest, when it comes to this situation and Mike Tomlin being asked about possibly being considered as a candidate for the USC job, honestly, I had it wrong initially. The first thought that I had about this entire situation was I thought it actually would be an honor to be mentioned for a job with the USC Trojans because it shows that you are one of the coaches that they believe could turn their program around. So I thought like, man, Mike, I think you overreacting a little bit because, you know, this is an opportunity for you, you know, you know, to go and coach a, a college team. And the fact that they are interested in you shows how much they believe in you and how, shows how much they like your accomplishments at the NFL level, a Super Bowl winning head coach, you know, being one of the, you know, faces of the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the most popular NFL franchises in the NFL. You know, I, I thought it was actually something that Mike Tomlin should look at as being an honor, being considered, you know, for a, a particular job, you know, at the collegiate level. Although he does, I do agree with Mike Tomlin about how he has, you know, one of the best jobs in pro sports. I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of you are accomplished and you are a high commodity that organizations would want coaching their football team. You know, like, don't look at it as a, a, a knock that they are trying to reach out to you to possibly become their head coach and lead, you know, kids at the collegiate level. That's actually an honor. That's how I looked at it initially. But then I started thinking more and more about the situation and his comments. Like, I, I kept listening to him over and over and over again. And I changed my whole perspective on the situation. And I actually completely understand now where Mike Tomlin is coming from in this situation. So you heard him say, why isn't anyone asking Andy Reid, Sean Payton, about these college jobs? He didn't mention Andy Reid and Sean Payton to be able to throw shade or, you know, throw a, 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 a slight in their direction. Like, he didn't, he didn't mean it in that type of way. He was basically saying, why aren't you asking other coaches who have similar accomplishments as me about the openings at a college job? Now, so far, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, and Mike Tomlin all only have one Super Bowl on their resume. So Mike Tomlin's feeling like, why aren't you guys asking them about potential coaching jobs at the collegiate level? Why are you asking me? And the reason why he's saying this is because Sean Payton and Andy Reid, they are locked in to their jobs and their jobs are secure for the Kansas City Chiefs and the New Orleans Saints. But for whatever reason, whenever the Pittsburgh Steelers lose a few games, we always hear quietly, though, it's quietly about Mike Tomlin's job status. And is he a part of the reason why the Pittsburgh Steelers are losing 
games. And so it's amazing to me that that is the case. But we don't hear that about Sean Payton, who, by the way, had three back-to-back-to-back losing seasons. We don't hear that about Andy Reid, who, before Patrick Mahomes came along, had not won a Super Bowl at any point in his career. As a matter of fact, a lot of people looked at Andy Reid as one of those coaches who don't coach well in the playoffs. But we never heard about any speculation about his job and whether or not he deserved to be, you know, the head coach. So why in the hell do we always hear quietly, though, quiet rumblings about whether or not Mike Tomlin deserves to be the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers if they lose a few games? This is a man in Mike Tomlin who has a career record as a head coach, 148 81 and one. So he's won 65% of his games as head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Andy Reid, he's won 62% of his games as head coach. Sean Payton has won 64% of his games. Also, Andy Reid, he has six division titles. Sean Payton has six division titles. Mike Tomlin has seven division titles. Not to mention, of all the quarterbacks um, these three, that these three head coaches has coached, Andy Reid, you know, has coached Patrick Mahomes, Sean Payton has coached Drew Brees, and Mike Tomlin has coached Ben Roethlisberger. I would say that when it's all said and done, because Patrick Mahomes is still playing, and, Mahomes, and, and Roethlisberger is obviously still playing, but Roethlisberger is on the downside of his career. He'll, he'll be playing maybe one or two more seasons at the most, but Patrick Mahomes, he's still playing at, a, you know, and got a, about a 10 to 15 years left at the quarterback position. But I would say when it's all said and done that Patrick Mahomes is more talented than Ben Roethlisberger as an overall quarterback. There's more talented. Mike Tomlin is playing with the worst quarterback of the three, the worst quarterback of the three, but yet he still has more division titles, a better winning percentage as a head coach. So again, why is he the one being questioned about a USC job in the Pac-12 with USC? Seriously? The man has one of the best jobs in the NFL. He's never had a losing season since he's been the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And when you talk about the best coaches in the NFL, Mike Tomlin is in a class of his own, similar to Bill Belichick. And guess what? He also did not have the luxury of coaching a great quarterback like Tom Brady. Ben Roethlisberger is great. He's one of the most clutch quarterbacks in NFL history, and he's a Hall of Fame first ballot. But he's not Tom Brady. He's not Patrick Mahomes, and he's not Drew Brees. So can we please stop pretending like Mike Tomlin hasn't built up a great resume throughout the course of his coaching career enough to the point where we can stop pretending like his job isn't secure. His job should be secured just like Bill Belichick's, just like Sean Payton, just like Pete Carroll, and just like Andy Reid. And here's the thing too. He's not even an offensive minded head coach. 
He's a defensive-minded head coach, and that's why he wins football games. But I understand his frustration, and initially I missed it. I'll be honest, I missed it at first because I thought that it's something that you should look at as an honor to be considered for you know a, a job at the collegiate level. But I thought about the actual job, USC, in the Pac-12. No, I understand why he's a little, why he's offended. Like, I understand why he's offended. Now, one thing he did say that I disagree with, he said, there's no amount of money a booster could throw at me that will make me leave this Pittsburgh Steelers job. I disagree with that <laughs> because, you know, like money talks and money can really, really make you switch up your position. But looking at his resume, Super Bowl champion, two-time AFC champion, head coach, won the coach of the year award as an assistant head coach. He also won a Super Bowl. He's also the youngest head coach to win the Super Bowl. There's never been a coach younger than Mike Tomlin who's won a Super Bowl. So again, I love the fact that he had this response in this press conference. Like I really, really do. I, I love it. I love it. Like he was right on the money with everything that he said. Let's transition and let's go to my NFL week eight wise picks. And let's talk about the games this afternoon. We got the Miami Dolphins traveling to Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to roll with the Buffalo Bills to beat the Miami Dolphins. I got Bills 33 to 17. I think the Bills are one of the best teams in the AFC. I think Josh Allen is playing some great football right now. And I just think Miami, you know, they aren't a good football team. They're not a good football team. And I was wrong about Miami because I had Miami competing for a playoff spot in the AFC East. That has not happened so far this season. Bills 33, Dolphins 17. Panthers at Falcons. I'm rolling with the Falcons to beat the Panthers 24 to 21 in the ATL. I think it's going to be a close game. Two division foes going up against each other in the NFC South. So I got Falcons 24, Panthers 21. I think the Panthers really, really are missing Christian McCaffrey right now. And he's an important piece to their offense. And without him, they're not playing good football. Steelers at Browns, another division game. This one is in the AFC North. These two teams have a lot of history. Remember last year in the postseason, the Browns ended the Steelers season in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field, a game where they dominate the Pittsburgh Steelers. Baker Mayfield is supposed to return back to the lineup for the Browns. I'm rolling with the Steelers to beat the Browns, though. In Cleveland today, I think the Steelers are going to improve to 4-3 and three on the season and get a much-needed victory against the Cleveland Browns in the AFC North and improve to 4-3 and three on the season. Steelers 23, Browns 20. Let's talk about the Bengals and the Jets. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this game. If you are a betting man out there or a betting woman, I would say go and put all of your money on the Cincinnati Bengals this week. They're going to dominate this matchup against the New York Jets. I'm not sure if Zach Wilson is going to play. I know he got injured with a shoulder injury last week and left the game against the New England Patriots. But I'm going to roll with the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Jets 31 to 13. 
Bengals are just a much better football team than the Jets. Now, we got another big-time matchup in the AFC South. The Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. This game will be played in Indy. I think it's going to be a close game throughout. I think the Tennessee Titans are a top-five team in the AFC. They've had some big-time wins the last two weeks against the Bills and the Chiefs. But I think the Colts slowly but surely are starting to gain some momentum and play some good football. They had an impressive win last week out west against the 49ers, you know, in a a rainstorm. They were very, very impressive. I got the Colts beating the Tennessee Titans in Indy this afternoon, 24 to 20. I think it's going to be a close game throughout, but I'm going to roll with the Colts to outlast the Titans 24 to 20 in the AFC South and get a much, much needed win in the division. Next, we got Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Detroit to take on the Detroit Lions. The Lions, you know, they're 0-7 on the season, but they play very, very hard. They really, really do. And they are competitive in every game that they are in. Last week, you saw them going up against a more talented team in the L.A. Rams. And in that game, at one point, the Lions were winning the game 10-0. And so Campbell, he has the Lions playing hard. They don't get blown off the field. They play hard and they compete in games. Because of that, I believe that this is going to be the upset of week eight. And this is my upset pick of the week. I got the Detroit Lions beating Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles 24-21 in Detroit and capturing their first win of the season. And they deserve it. They really, really do. Because they've been competitive in most of the games they've played this year. I mean, last week against the Rams, you know, that was a competitive game. And you remember earlier in the season, the it took Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to have a walk-off field goal by Justin Tucker. You know, uh, it was a, a record, you know, set by Justin Tucker on that game-winning field goal. So I think the Lions are due for a win. They've they've played hard, you know, in the first seven games of the season. I think it's going to pay off against the Eagles. Let's transition. Let's talk about the 49ers and the Bears. The game is going to be taking place at Soldier Field in Chicago. I'm rolling with the Bears to beat the 49ers. I'm not really impressed with the 49ers right now. And I know my man Brian Snow, who's a diehard 49ers fan, he don't want to hear this, but I think the 49ers – need to trade Jimmy Garoppolo and just start accepting the fact that you don't have an elite quarterback on your team. They have to take a page out of the LA Rams book and accept you don't have a franchise quarterback you can win a Super Bowl with. You don't. Because if you had that, you would have won a Super Bowl two years ago against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs when you were leading 20 to 10 at one point in that game. I think the Bears right now, you know, are a better football team than the 49ers, although the records don't really indicate that. But I I just think that at home, playing at Soldier Field, I think the Bears are going to outlast the 49ers. I really, really do. And also, you know they don't have Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy has COVID, so he won't be on the sideline for the Bears, you know, in this matchup. But I just don't like what I'm seeing right now from the 49ers. I really, really don't. And I think, you know, they're one of those teams that they got some players on their team that can make plays, you know, especially defensively. 
You know, they still got Joey Bosa. You know, you still got Fred Warner, one of the best young linebackers in the NFL. I just don't really believe in the 49ers and them being able to win games right now. I just don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Garoppolo is injury prone as well. And I think it's going to be a tough game for the 49ers. I got Bears 21, Niners 17. Rams at Texas. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this game. Rams are a better football team. Rams 35, Texans 21. This game is actually very intriguing for me because I think the Jaguars have an opportunity to pull off an upset. We got the Seahawks and Jaguars. Seahawks are coming off a loss against the Northern Saints on Monday Night Football. You know, the Jaguars, they have a win, you know, this season. I think they got a chance to pull off the upset, but I'm going to roll with the Seahawks. They're not going to cover the spread, though. I think the spread right now is like minus three Seattle, maybe minus three and a half. I'm rolling with the Seahawks, 31, Jags, 29. I almost picked the Jaguars in an upset. I don't like what I'm seeing right now from Seattle. They need Russell Wilson back in the worst way. Like, we saw Russell Wilson cover up a lot of their flaws as a football team, but now that they don't have Russell Wilson and they're relying on Geno Smith, we're seeing their flaws be exposed at an even higher level. And dare I say, Pete Carroll, he might be on the hot seat. Because I always say when you're head coach, whatever your signature is, that's what you should look to when you're looking at that particular team and say, okay, this is where they should be good at. Pete Carroll's signature is defense. But the Seahawks have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Historically, historically, they have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And that's Pete Carroll's signature. It's not offense. It's defense. So why are the Seahawks statistically one of the worst defenses in the NFL? we got to start asking those questions about Pete Carroll. We really, really do. So I got the Seahawks winning this game, but by, not that much. I got Seattle 31, Jacksonville 29. Patriots at Chargers. A lot of people are picking the Patriots to beat the Chargers in L.A. I got the Chargers winning this game 27-23. I think it's going to be a close game. We know how Belichick can game plan for young quarterbacks in the NFL, but I like the Chargers to win this game. The Chargers were embarrassed the last time they played in week five against the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. You know, they only had 208 total yards for the game. I think the Chargers will be ready for this game going up against Bill Belichick. So I think they're going to be ready. I got Chargers 27, Patriots 23. So I think it's going to be close, but I think the Chargers will have a bounce-back performance in Week 8. Bucks at Saints, another NFC South division game. I think this game is going to be close, but I'm rolling with the Bucks to beat the Saints in New Orleans. I got Tom Brady 27, Jameis Winston 17. I think the Bucks are a better football team than the Saints, but I do think the Saints got an opportunity to make the playoffs. I really, really do. I think they are true contenders in the NFC when it comes to being playoff contenders. They're not Super Bowl contenders like the Packers, like the Cardinals, you know, like the Bucks, like the Cowboys, like the Rams. But I think the Saints are playoff contenders. I think this game will be competitive, but I think Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will pull away late in the fourth quarter and beat the Saints by 10, 27-17 Bucks. Cowboys at Vikings. This is going to be an interesting game because I think Dak Prescott is a game-time decision. 
So we don't know if Dak Prescott's going to play in this game. I think this game is going to be close. But I'm going to roll with the Cowboys to beat the Minnesota Vikings, 31 to 24. Cowboys got so many weapons offensively. You got Amari Cooper. You got CeeDee Lamb. You got Gallup. I'm not sure if he's going to play in this game. But you got, you know, Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard in the backfield. They got so many weapons. And I don't think that the Vikings, you know, have enough to keep up. Although Kirk Cousins is having a great season so far. He's having a great season. He really, really is. And he's a dark horse for, you know, dare I say MVP. If the, if the Vikings had a better record, we would have Kirk Cousins in the MVP conversation. He's, he's playing some very, very good football. Like the problem with Kirk Cousins is he doesn't play well in primetime. He doesn't. And that's been our biggest issue with Kirk Cousins. We, we know that he has flashes of being one, well, you know, a good young quarterback. Not great but a good quarterback for the season. Cousins, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. You know, he's been impressive. He doesn't play well in primetime games. This is a primetime matchup tonight in Minnesota on Sunday Night Football. I think the Cowboys will get it done. I got Dak Prescott, 31. Kirk Cousins, 24. Denver Broncos, Washington football team. I'm rolling with the Broncos to beat the Washington football team, 20 to 17. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this game. I'm rolling with... The Broncos, 20 to 17. Neither one of these two teams are very good. I think it's been reports that Von Miller will be traded before the trading deadline. So I, I think the Broncos are, are, are tanking for the rest of the season. They started off good with a 3-0 record, but that was against teams that, you know, weren't very good at that time. I don't believe in the Broncos, but I think they'll get a victory over the Washington football team. So I got Broncos 20, Washington 17. Monday night matchup between the Giants and the Chiefs. Chiefs need to win in the worst way. They got a tough schedule coming up. Got a tough schedule. They got the Packers next week, and then they got the Raiders, you know, in the coming weeks. They got the Cowboys as well. You know, they got to buy, you know, here in the next few weeks. So they got some big-time games. You got to beat teams like the Giants if you're the Chiefs. You're three and four in the season. You're on the outside looking in right now of the playoff picture. And if you continue to lose games, you're not going to be able to make the playoffs. You're not. You got the Cowboys coming up. You got the Packers and you got the Raiders. All three of those games are games the Chiefs can lose. You got to take care of business against teams like the Giants. I got Patrick Mahomes, 27. Daniel Jones, 17. So those are my NFL week eight. Wise picks. Everybody remember go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Everybody, enjoy your NFL Sunday. Enjoy week eight. Have a great one. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.